go. Morning, everybody. This is the Marcus Today Members Podcast on Thursday, 29th of February, and the results season heads into the sunset. This general advice only, if it's advice at all, usual rules. So we've got a final thrash on the results season today. Results so far, results of note, that is, include Ramsey Healthcare. They are up 2.5% on the back of their results today. Zero is down 1.9% on the back of Guidance. Atlas Ulterior, Arteria, sorry, down 0.6% on their results. Temple and Webster CEO sold a few shares. Share price down about 2.5%. Troubled Star Entertainment, at risk of losing their license in the next six months, up 6.3% on their results. Harvey Norman, up 7.1% on their results. Another discretionary retailer kicking out of the park on higher prices. South 32 up 2.8% on selling a few assets and that'll about do it for announcements. The One of the interesting things about the results season is if you look at the Reuters diary there are 353 companies set to report results with estimated dates that haven't reported results yet. They have to get their results in by midnight tonight and usually what happens is after the market closed today there is is under the cover of darkness a deluge of smaller company, usually smaller company results of ineff- from inefficient CFOs who haven't done the numbers in time and have left everything to the last minute. And there will doubtless be a list of stocks tomorrow that are suspended that haven't got their results in in time. And there is also a school of thought that suggests that most smaller companies, particularly the smaller companies that only exist to pay salaries by raising capital every year, you know the ones, most of them resources companies companies, explorers, but those companies are thought to all pop out their results at night on the last day and hide their light under the bushel or rather hide their tree in the woods with all the other little companies that are doing nothing and don't really want to get noticed. So they all drop out their results at the last minute whilst everybody's in bed and hope they don't get noticed when everybody wakes up. So there will be a absolute smashing of results later on tonight. This is the way the stock market works. Apart from the results today, there are a whole load of ex-dividends today. Stocks we hold PME and Medibank, both ex-dividend today. And there are a host of others as well from Corporate Travel, Jumbo Interactive, and tomorrow ex-dividend Sonic Healthcare, ASX, Mineral Resources, to name a few. And the dividends run into next week. The main signpost for today or tonight or this week is the US PC price index numbers, which are out tonight. They're out at 12.30 a.m. our time. I've put the forecasts in my section today. The trend, of course, is for falling. The PC price index is a sort of inflation proxy described as the Fed's preferred measure of inflation. Headline number expected to be 2.4%, down from 2.6%, and the core number expected to be 2.8% down from 2.9%. Look out for that tonight. We also have Chinese PMI numbers tomorrow, which should be interesting for the resources sector. Resources sector is down today. We have BHP down 0.7, Rio down 0.6. They were both down in the US overnight and the iron ore price was down a little bit overnight as well. And obviously the futures this morning were down 11 on the back of Wall Street, just shading its recent gains. Our market down 19 as I speak. A couple of interesting charts 
cards in my section. Did you realize the S&P 500 has returned 14.8% per annum over the last 15 years? Now that picks the bottom of the GFC and it's up 638% since then. And it does tell you that although the lemmings, the brainless lemmings will tell you you can't time the market, if you can time the market, and we are managing to do that with our strategy portfolio, if you can time the market, there is a life-changing fortune to be made even for conservative investors out of the stock market. Interesting, whilst the US market is up 638% from the bottom of the GFC, guess how much our market is up? Did you guess? 143%. So we have been destroyed by the US market since the bottom of the GFC. And that, of course, is largely thanks to having a huge bank sector, which is mature and boring and pays out all its earnings as dividends. And because we haven't got a technology sector, and that's what's driven the gains in the US market. And certainly this year, that again has has proved to be the case. Our market's hardly gained this year. The US market has shot up. I see Apple binning the iCar. Going to focus on generative artificial intelligence, which will doubtless flood our news services with even more crap in the future. Bank of America says you should buy Apple because it's been left behind by the other magnificent seven stocks. In fact, it's only magnificent six or sensational six, as they say, because Tesla has been performing terribly. Got a chart of the bond yields in my section. We had the Australian CPI number yesterday, which was a little bit lower than expected and has got everybody hoping that we will see interest rate cuts sooner rather than later. Have a look at the chart of the Aussie 10-year bond yield just coming off again after that rally in early February, which rather scared the market, but drifting off again now, that's quite good. I've written a an article today about Bitcoin. I see the AFR calls it shitcoin today. Just hit 62,000, or was it 63,000 now? Up 5.6% overnight, now up 40% this year. It has tripled since the start of last year and recovering after it had dropped 64%. The record high was 69,000 hit in 2020 and we're on our way there. And it's the new US exchange traded funds that have driven it this year. I'm kicking myself for not being on the ball and being there when these ETFs got approval because it's like the gold ETF. You've got a commodity with limited supply. Gold production is about adds about 2% to total gold ever dug up in the world every year. And it shrinks by about 2% per annum as well with gold usage and electronics and jewelry and that sort of stuff. So the gold, the block of gold, which is 24 meters by 20.4 meters by 20.4 meters, all the gold ever dug up in the world ever. That is a static amount of gold that almost never moves. And in March 2003, the gold ETF came along and bought a cube of gold, which was just investors, because gold was very much like Bitcoin. It's For a standard investor, it's very hard to get hold of without getting your head around Bitcoin and wallets and dealing with people you don't know. It was similar with gold. Gold had problems that you couldn't store it. You actually had to buy physical gold and you had to put it somewhere and hope you didn't get nicked. So it was difficult for people to get an exposure to gold. So the gold ETF came along and bought a chunk of this block of gold and, of course, drove the share price. So it was self-fulfilling in the end. And this is what's happening with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is, a, there's a finite amount of Bitcoins. And since the arrival of the ETFs only a month or so ago, the ETFs 
have been buying seven times as much as many Bitcoins as are being produced every month. So the Bitcoin ETFs, like the gold ETF, is self-fulfilling. They've created demand of a limited commodity, and that pushes the price up, which creates demand, which pushes the price up, which creates demand, which pushes the price up. And so it goes on. And it's been going on for 20 years now in the gold market. When the gold ETF came around, gold was $332 an ounce. Now look at it. So everyone's buying Bitcoin because everyone else is buying Bitcoin. Who cares whether it's worth anything, whether it actually has any use at all? It's just a supply squeeze. And our job is to make money in the stock market, in any instrument we can over any period of time. And we could have made some money out of having an open mind rather than an old fashioned mind about Bitcoin. I sometimes wonder whether being old, wise and experienced has cost me a fortune. So kicking myself for not being on the ball with these US ETFs getting approval. I wrote about it, did nothing about it. CRIP, by the way, which is not an exposure to Bitcoin. C-R-Y-P is about the only ETF here at the moment. CRIP was the best performing ETF in Australia last year, but of course didn't buy it because of my cynicism about Bitcoin, which of course all I should really care about is whether a price, whatever it represents, is going up or down. And again, Bitcoin's still going up. The high on Bitcoin, by the way, was $68,999.99. You would have thought someone would have just bought the last Bitcoin to push it up higher. But there you go. It was $61,904 at the moment. Right, what else? I see someone writing about buying Domino's Pizza in the AFR today. Bit of a puff piece for a fund manager being contrarian. I don't think I'd be buying Domino's. I've been burnt so many times buying stocks that are trending down like Slater and Gordon and AGL and AMP. Buying into downtrends is low risk, sorry, is low grade investment. And again, Domino's trending down. So not sure I'd be buying it, but I can see there's technical buy signals. Speaking of technical buy signals, have a read of the trading section today. We have have two new trades in there and they are entirely done on the back of technical signals. We were worried that having cleaned out of the ideas portfolio on the back of that US CPI number a couple of months ago that we were not doing enough. So there's a little bit of buying because we need a bit of action in the ideas portfolio. So Lendlease and Boss Energy added to the ideas portfolio today bought on the open. Quite like the uranium space as as a concept. Uh, we hold Paladin. That is also bottoming as well. We thought about buying some more Paladin, but for the moment, we've just bought Boss Energy. And Lendlease is oversold, big company, de-risked after the results and is bottoming on the chart. So buying that as well. Right, I've put the diary for next week in my section today. Finally, the results season ends. There's almost no corporate events at all. I think an AMP, AGM and a Monodelphus Investor Roadshow. Whole load of companies going ex-dividend next week. And on the economic front, we have notable events include the Chinese PMI numbers on Tuesday, European PPI numbers on Tuesday as well. We have Australian fourth quarter GDP numbers on Wednesday. We've got a beige book out of the US, which sort of describes the state of the economy, out of the US on Thursday. We've got jolts, job openings, which did push the market around last time in the US on Thursday. We've got ADP employment numbers as well on Thursday. These are all Thursday, Wednesday night. US Thursday morning our time. So we're running into jobs numbers is the main thing next week, US jobs numbers, and those will be out on Friday night. 
We also have a European Central Bank decision. We also have Powell on Thursday talking to the semi-an- or sitting in front of the Senate Banking Committee with his semi-annual testimony on the state of the economy. And lastly, we have Biden doing the State of Union address on Friday. It'll be interesting to see if he can remember or read his words. So a little bit going on on the economic front next week and on the corporate front, just a load of dividends, basically. Well, that's about it for today. Two new trades day. Market just losing its shine, losing its momentum. US results season's over. Our results season's over. Ex-dividends will chew away a little bit at the market. Once we've got through a few of these ex-dividends, we've already identified a few stocks we'd like to let go in the income portfolio, in which case we will re-weight probably into the banks ahead of the bank's results season coming up. Still happy to be holding the strategy portfolio and be fully invested there. I see the FANG down a couple of percent today. We'll just keep an eye on whether big tech tops out FANG down 2.5% today. And that's about it. If your company hasn't reported yet and they come out tonight, watch out. You have a good day. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you.